Football is back and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football and with the Bet365 Bet Builder you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to Straight Outta Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. This is your weekly one-stop shop for all things blues-based and today's show is a busy one. Coming up, we reflect on the defeat to Liverpool, look ahead to the upcoming games with Barnsley and West Bromwich Albion, catch up with the academy sides and answer your questions. Available ad-free on The Athletic app, this is Straight Outta Cobham. Yes, welcome in, listener. Matt Davis-Adams here. I'm joined by my usual front three, all playing in the positions they made famous. Liam Toomey is here. Hi, Liam. Hello. Don Fifield also on board. Hi, Don. Hello, Matt. And finally, no episode of Straight Outta Cobham would be complete without a cheery hello from Simon Johnson. Hello. <laughs> Rather reflecting the mood around Chelsea after Sunday's game. So let's get to Liverpool first. So Chelsea beaten in their first home game of the season, going down 2-0 to the champions, a defeat compounded by two high-profile errors. Uh, Simon, you were there for the Athletic. Uh, Other than those two brain farts, I thought Chelsea actually played okay. How wrong am I? You're not too wrong in the sense of the first 44 minutes. um, I thought it was quite an intriguing, interesting, not a classic, but it was a fairly balanced game. Yes, Liverpool were a constant sort of threat, but they didn't have... It wasn't like they were peppering shots at Kepa's goal, which is probably a good thing. Um, and I thought Christensen and Zuma, I was sitting there thinking, oh, they're, they're defending really well like, and, and backing up what they did against Brighton. Werner got into some good, really good positions without getting a shot off. There was a moment when Mount played it to Kante and, and he didn't get a shot off. Um, there, were, there, were, there were threats... And you could tell that Klopp was concerned on the sidelines. But what seems to be the case in these Chelsea-Liverpool games, um, apart from the FA Cup um, clash which Chelsea won, is that Chelsea are guilty of making silly mistakes, which which cost them. And and they always will do in games of this magnitude. And unfortunately, Christensen bringing down Mane, how much that had to do with concern over Kepa, um, you do wonder because it, it was quite noticeable how little Christensen and Zuma were passing it back to Kepper. It's like almost from the start they were trying to protect their keeper or certainly worry, worry about their keeper from, from minute one. Um, but once they were down to 10 men, you, you feared the worst. And and, and even though Jorginho had that penalty saved, I, I, I didn't really envisage a comeback. I think Liverpool would have just stepped up another gear to kill it. So... I just think from the moment they were down to ten men, the game was over. But up to then, it was it was promising. But of course, that's that's not enough. And um, whilst we're with you, Simon, what was the talk from from Frank Lampard post match and, and around the non selections of of Ruben Loftus Cheek and and Tony Rudiger? You, you've written about Ruben for the Athletic, which we spoke about last week. But but the Rudiger one was a bit more of a surprise. 
a little bit, but of course he was he was left out of the of the Brighton game, um, out of the starting lineup of, the, of that as well. Um, now I did sort of write about the centre back situation after that Brighton game because of the noises Frank has been making about Tamori and wanting to keep him, and and of course Tamori came off the bench. I thought he was maybe we'll talk about this in in detail in a moment, but he he was certainly a positive the way he performed and didn't do his chances any any harm. But it, it does feel. A bit like just over a year ago when Tamori was upgraded because David Luiz left. And I did look at the situation to see, well, which defender would be allowed to let go. And, and, and you look at Christensen's situation, really good situation. They've both got two years left on their contract. So naturally, if you're going to try and sell one, it would be now. Now, I was, I was assured from sources close to both camps that, that they're staying. But, but Rudiger, you have to say that that's a pretty... Um, telling moment to be left out of a squad in a game like this. In terms of the, the 11 that did start, there was a, a slight tweak in terms of who went where. Havertz playing through the middle, Werner on the left and, and Mount on the right. Liam, you've written extensively on, on Kai Havertz for The Athletic. How well suited is he to the role that he started in on, on Sunday, do you think? Well, he did play false nine quite a bit for Leverkusen, um, particularly after the resumption of the Bundesliga season. And he was incredibly effective there. We didn't really see that part of Havertz's game for Chelsea against Liverpool because I think their build-up play was was not quite good enough. You know you're always going to struggle against Liverpool's press, um, but they were they were forced to go long a bit more often, I think, than they should have been. That happened against Brighton as well at times. And when that happens, um, you're essentially playing Havertz as a true nine, not a false nine, where he's required to battle for headers and hold the ball up and... While he can do that in spots, um, and and he did do it at times for for Leverkusen well, um, it's a big ask for him to do that in the Premier League, and especially when he's still adjusting to the the overall physicality. So I thought he had good spots in the first half, um, but he wasn't in the game as much as he could have been. And just overall, I thought Chelsea didn't didn't really um, manage to do much with the ball at all. I don't think Lampard's midfield selection worked from a, a ball progression sense. It might it might have slowed Liverpool down a little bit, but um, it didn't really give Chelsea too much going the other way. Uh, whilst we're with you, Liam, you've been in Germany this weekend. Can you tell us why? <laughs> well, it was um, not the not the best game to uh, to go and watch at Kai Havertz's boys' club um, in Mariadorf, just outside of Aachen. Uh, I apologise to any German listeners for my pronunciation because I I think it's still atrocious. Um, but I spent Saturday and Sunday in Mariadorf talking to people who knew Havertz. He was he was at the club from the age of four till ten when he moved on to Alemanniachen and then eventually to Leverkusen. Um, so it was really where his football journey started. So I was gathering a bit of info um, on his background and then also trying to watch the, the Chelsea-Liverpool game with them, which obviously with the way it panned out <laughs> and him being sacrificed at half-time after the Christensen red card was not ideal for, for literary purposes. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, I got some, good, got some good background on him, which I'll hopefully be able to share with athletic readers sooner rather than later. Yeah, and it's a good time to remind you, listener, that you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. Simply visit theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod. Uh, back to the Liverpool game then, Dom, and those errors. Firstly, Andreas Christensen uh, decided bringing Mane down was a better option than letting him 
have a shot at goal. I, I wonder how costly a misjudgment might that be for Christensen, given that Tamori came on and did so well and, and Thiago Silva's just about ready to play. He might face a struggle to get his place back when he's available again. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's, it is an untimely one with the suspension, albeit, uh, I mean, Barnsley's not a particularly bad one to miss. Um, but yeah, it offers somebody else an opportunity. And, and, and okay, they've had... Christensen and Zuma have had some good moments in these in these two Premier League games to date, but I, I don't think we should forget also that that you know Bright, Brighton Lewis Dunk's header. I mean, you'd imagine that that one of the centre halves would have been assigned to to track Brighton's most potent um, attacking threat at set plays potentially, um, and and yet he was free to uh, to ease that header wide of a post. Uh, and there were opportunities again for Liverpool yesterday, and 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 it it was it was a brilliant pass from Jordan Henderson. You could argue that that the other end uh, of the pitch, Conte might have cut him out, uh, closed down the space quite quicker, and pre- prevented him from having so much time to place that pass. And it was again a great blindside run from Sadio Mane to get away from Christensen. But there's always. An error in them. Um, it, it won't help either of those centre halves having a jittery goalkeeper at their back. And we saw earlier in the game when when Kepa sort of tore to the edge of his penalty area to try and intercept uh, a ball to I think it was Salah uh, and and failed to get there. There there is a, an underlying sense of panic around the centre halves and goalkeeper situation still, um, and that flared again with the dismissal. Um, and yeah, it could well cost Christensen because Thiago Silva, fingers crossed, will will get some game time this week against Barnsley, uh, and he'll have a chance to stake a claim for for a regular Premier League involvement from now on in. Final thing on the centre back issue, Simon. Tweet here from Jim Boyd who asks, "How has Tamori ended up behind Christensen and Rudiger in the pecking order when he's clearly better than both?" It's a question a lot of Chelsea supporters have been asking, particularly after after yesterday when he played so well having not kicked a ball competitively since February. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a mystery and, and certainly a mystery to um, to Tamori himself, I think, um, which is why um, they've explored, or his camp have explored a, a low move elsewhere. And of course, Everton have been uh, on ten hooks, sort of waiting to see if this deal can uh, get done. Um, yes, there have been a few injury issues over the last seven months. A uh, bit of bad luck in terms of the timing of an injury um, ahead of the restart in June, um, which inevitably meant that players that were sharper, um, given what was on the line, top four place, etc., that there there would be a reluctance to throw a player that hadn't played much football into a game of that of that importance. But no one can question his ability. Uh, Lampard has been pretty consistent about um, the way that players train. There were periods where he struggled too. Um, so when he was recalled, for example, at Bournemouth, he, uh, he he didn't have a very good game and was substituted quite early. Um, but I, I think this, this kid's got the lot. Um, so, and, and Lampard, I think, is coming around to that way of thinking. Otherwise, that loan to Everton would have been done and dusted by now. Right, we better talk about Kepa. Uh, tweet here from Adash, who is an optimist. He asks, Liam, is there any possibility of a redemption arc for Kepa? What do you think? Well, I think redemption is looking pretty unlikely at this point, 
particularly with Edouard Mendy inbound. Um, and it's really difficult because I don't think any of us want to keep talking about Kepa this way every week, um, talking about another mistake or another generally unconvincing performance. Um, because goalkeeper, I think, is a uniquely challenging job at a top club mentally as much as physically and it's and it's clear that I think the mental side is is where the majority of his problems currently lie um his confidence is shot and I, I've seen people criticize Lampard for for maybe playing him when he should have taken him out of the firing line at the start of this season but I think Chelsea as a club this summer committed to trying to give Kepper a bit more of a go because they've got so much invested in him. Petr Cech came out and said that, you know, that we're not loaning him out. Um, and they wanted to see what he could do at the start of this season. And it's just been a continuation of what we've seen for the past year or so. He's not he's not the only problem in, in, in the defensive half of Chelsea's team. I thought the Christensen red card was a collective failing on the part of the team because you shouldn't allow a team to to roll the ball out to Jordan Henderson in a central area and have no one within 20 yards of him and just give him time and space to pick that pass. And that's that's been a recurring theme for Lampard's team defending in transition. Um, so Kep has been exposed too often by the people in front of him. But I think this this mental problem is is, is not going away and I think Chelsea should support him in every way that they can to try and get his confidence back. But the one way that they can't support him is to keep playing him at this point. They can't afford to do that because he's costing them points. Um, he's costing them goals. And with the expectations they have, that, that that's just not good enough. So I expect Mendy to come in, Mendy to play. And then we'll see what happens with Kepa beyond that. Yeah, on the on the mentality thing, another tweet from from Stanford Chidge Kepper who says, "How about we get off his case? We know he's not good enough, and so does he probably. Being a keeper and an underperforming one at that can be a lonely place." Do you think, Dom, that as much for his sake as as for for Chelsea's, he should just be taken out of the team now and and wait and see what happens with his future? But but it doesn't look like it's going to be in the Chelsea first team. Yes, undoubtedly, that's spot on. I mean. We don't know. We can get. We can guess at the sort of the mental turmoil that that players must go through when when confidence is shattered, and and they are sort of experiencing this this nightmare out on the pitch um, when they're clearly gripped by self doubt. Um, it is very evident with with Kepper at the moment. You can just see it in his eyes. Really, um, he looks he looks a a haunted character, and and it isn't nice to. To witness or to watch from afar, um, far less so for him to to live it. Um, so, so taking him out of out the firing line at the moment is a kindness. Now, now look, there there are inevitably going to be implications for the rest of his career because, as a goalkeeper, you have to be self confident. You have to promote that confidence to those around you. You have to. You, like, the players have to have belief in 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 you. That the defenders are the defensive midfielders, whoever, the, everybody, the management. Um, and, and and him reviving his career is not going to be an easy task. But, you know, he is still young. He's still got plenty of years ahead of him. Even if he even if he was to go out on loan for a while to Spain, back to Spain, just to get, maybe just to get to new surroundings and um, and try and yeah, rekindle that, 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 that self-confidence and belief. And remember what a good player he was. I mean... 
clear, Chelsea clearly saw a lot in him. I know they overpaid and and there were particular circumstances around that, um, the, the shot post Thibaut Courtois' departure and the fact there was a, a, a clause that they could exploit, albeit at such a high level. But but he, he just needs to go and and just come out of the firing line at Chelsea. If that means that he sits as a number two for a while um, there, if he can't get a low move now, then fair enough. Uh, but further down the line, you'd envisage him getting game time elsewhere, probably back in Spain, and 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 rebuilding his confidence that way. And that 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 is what he needs now. Um, just just a chance to to shine outside the outside the limelight. Last question on Kepa before uh, we stop riffing on his pain, Simon. I just wonder what what was the reaction from his teammates after that second goal had been been conceded? I mean, inevitably, heads down. But then you'd expect that anyway. Um, I can't. I, I can't say I was like watching sort of um, everyone's reaction to see if they went up to him, etc., etc. I, I just know. Look, while was publicly, um, players will, will continue to speak out in support of him. Um, I think privately, they lost confidence in him a while ago. I think that contributes to some of the sort of panic stations feel about Chelsea's defending at the back. And like I said earlier, perhaps why Christensen decided to become a rugby player for 10 seconds and, and, and thought the only way to stop Mane was to take him out rather than rely on Kepa getting to the ball first. Um, I, I think it's in Chelsea's best interest. I know it, it's difficult for them because they paid so much money for him to, to take a hit. Um, but it's it's in Chelsea's best interest to try and come up with some kind of loan deal for him um, because the only way they're going to get close to getting any kind of decent money for him when they when they do sell him because that is in, that's inevitable I think at some point is that he goes away somewhere else and impresses because I just think at Chelsea it's it's a, a never-ending circle of of disappointment and and mistakes and I do have quite a lot of sympathy for him he, he looks like he's shot like he's, he's just wants to be somewhere else and I, I just think Chelsea should try and give that opportunity to him because uh, I can't see him coming back from the, the kind of mistakes he's been making for quite a while now. I do wonder whether he's been helped in terms of team selection and approach and maybe on pitch management as well. Um, if you look at Chelsea would have watched the Liverpool Leeds game um, where Leeds did get some joy uh, picking the ball up short from from their goalkeeper and building play through Calvin Phillips or whatever through through midfield, um, because Liverpool's front three weren't weren't pressing in the in the way that they normally do, and maybe maybe Chelsea were hoping that that Firmino wouldn't be quite at at his game again, and that they could they could build up this slow slow approach through midfield and um, and and picking the ball up short. But from from very early on yesterday, I thought Liverpool were just more far more at it that that front three really really clicked Firmino was closing down and and and, and Mane likewise was was a different completely different performance to what he put in against Leeds the previous week and I do think when you see that it, you have to adapt you have to have the, the players that can maybe go a bit longer they had you know Giroud as an option could could he not have could he not have come on and 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 led the line in a more effective way, and they could have gone slightly more direct, um, and 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 try to beat the, but try to beat the press that way, going over the top a bit more, because because quite frankly, 
the, the second goal was just a, an accident waiting to happen, given the, how well Liverpool's players were functioning at that front three level. Uh, he, Kepper was left exposed and he made the mistake, yes, but I think possibly Chelsea could have done more to help him. You, you, you look back to the way Giroud um, played brilliantly against Liverpool back in March. Uh, Chelsea's only win against Liverpool last season. Um, it was a surprise, I suppose you could say, that he, he if you're going to sort of have that sort of target man for Werner to play off, that you wouldn't pick him. You, you'd pick Kai Havertz, who's, who's clearly not fit yet. He's, he's not he's not 100%. And we kind of knew that would be the case um, because he's reported back late for training. And you have to say, weirdly, Lampard went for that tactic, but with the wrong person. Um, if it had been Giroud, I think it would have paid off a lot more. But um, but Giroud didn't cost sixty-two million plus, and I think Lampard has to find a place for Havertz in that team, and and that's where he chose to play him. Well, Havertz unlikely to be involved. One would think in Chelsea's next game, Kepa definitely won't be. It's against Barnsley in the Carabao Cup. We'll have a, a quick look ahead to that next. Hi there, I'm Mark Chapman from the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast and I'm here to tell you that this show is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Now, balding is an awkward topic for men, yet a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. And the best way to take control of hair loss is to do something about it while you still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health issues. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face to face with a stranger in a white coat. So, Hims connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You'll get a proper consultation and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. It couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk slash athletic. So that's F-O-R-H-I-M-S, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot co.uk slash athletic. And you can also listen to me on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. It's myself, David Ornstein, and the athletic stable of expert writers bring you unrivaled insight into the biggest stories in the game every single week. So Chelsea entertain championship side Barnsley at the bridge in the third round of the League Cup. The game takes place on Wednesday. Meaningless, you might already know the score, so we'll keep this brief. Uh, Barnsley already played two ties to get to round three, seeing off championship rivals Forest and Middlesbrough. But they've lost both league games so far, including Saturday's defeat at Reading, which they finished with nine men. Uh, Liam Frank Lampard said post-Liverpool that Willy Caballero will be in goal. Is there anybody else who we haven't seen yet this season you would expect to, to feature? Maybe Giroud? Yeah, well, there, there are quite a few, aren't there, that um, are really hoping for some game time here. I think Tammy Abraham hasn't had a lot of opportunities on the pitch. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek probably needs to get some more minutes into his legs, judging by the way he played against Brighton. I, I think Lampard might field almost a completely different 11, um, or at least kind of seven, eight changes, just because he has got so many players in this squad and so many varying levels of fitness. Um, but I think it's going to be a, an interesting test for the Chelsea team that does play, because I actually watched Barnsley once last year, um, it was the day that they broke Brentford's hearts 
um, on the final day of the championship season and secured their own survival. And uh, I was really impressed with them. I think Gerhard Struber, he's from the RB Salzburg school. They're very high pressing, high tempo. They press like a bit like Liverpool, actually. So um, they could make it quite uncomfortable for, for Chelsea. And, and the, the 11 that do play are going to have to be reasonably at it in order to, to produce a decent performance. Is there, is there not a is there not an argument to to actually pick the likes of Havertz in this match just to give them a bit more game time? I and mean, we've been talking about how they're lacking fitness. Well, this will get them into some kind of rhythm. I know it's it'll only be you know three days after the Liverpool experience, but but Havertz in particular has, it it might benefit him just to to get another game game under his belt. I mean, if you look at Liverpool we, the weekend, Liverpool played Stuttgart. RB Salzburg, the Community Shield, and then Blackpool in pre-season. So they had four four games to, to get their players as effectively pre-season friendlies to get them up to speed. Chelsea had Brighton, and that was it. And then they lost a load of players to international duty, and they've, they're now trying to reintegrate new signings. I, I would have thought that this would have been a an opportunity for them if if the training recovery. Um, that throw the match recovery situation benefits them, and they they can they can use that an opportunity to give Havertz another run out to to yeah to play your Abrahams and your Giroud's definitely and your Hudson Adoy's possibly, but but those guys who need minutes give them another game. What do you think, Simon? Would you be starting with Havertz? I'd certainly be considering giving him a if he doesn't start, sort of bring him on with half an hour to go or something, giving him another little run out because. You know, whilst he did play against Liverpool, it was only forty-five minutes. It wasn't like he played the full game. Um, and like I said earlier, he he does look, you know, a few yards off it. Um, and also physically, I think he's getting used to the physical nature of, of English football. Uh, so, what better way to give him another test of that than against the Championship side? Um, so, yeah, there's definitely an argument for that, but. This is the balance that, that Lampard is increasingly going to have to make as well, is that he does have a big squad that he has to keep happy. He has to try and keep the guys that are clearly going to be fringe members of the squad this season, um, keep their interest, keep their focus, keep their desire. So, you know, you can imagine if he leaves out, uh, for argument's sake, if he leaves out Loftus-Cheek again, um, having stuck up for him in the pre-match press conference the other day, um, what kind of message that sends to Loftus-Cheek? So... It's a delicate balance that, that Lampard but has to make, but that's why he's paid the big bucks. And last season, Chelsea put seven past Grimsby at this stage of the competition. It kick-started a seven-match winning run, so they'll be hoping for something similar on Wednesday. And we'll react to the Barnsley game in next week's show. Next up today, we'll look ahead to Saturday's trip to West Brom. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein, host of the Athletics Ornstein and Chapman podcast. And I'm here to tell you about Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, and the water-resistant technology also allows you to groom whilst in the shower. And we've got a special offer right now for all of you listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. 
And you can also listen to me on the Ornstein and Chapman podcast. It's myself, Mark Chapman, and the Athletics stable of expert writers bringing you unrivaled insight into the biggest stories in the game every single week. Yeah, the game's coming thick and fast this season. And on Saturday tea time, Chelsea will be in the West Midlands to take on West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns. It'll be the Blues' first visit there since 2017 when they won 4-0. Earlier that year, of course, Chelsea secured the title by beating the Baggies on their own turf thanks to Michy Batshuayi's late winner. Uh, Andre Villas-Boas doesn't have such good memories of West Brom away, though. Uh, Liam, given what we've seen from West Brom so far this season, nothing but a win will do for, for Chelsea here, right? Yeah, although the good news is that I don't think there's any chance of a Chelsea manager sacking uh, if they don't win, <laughs> unlike has been customary with West Brom away in, in, in the Abramovich era. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I think, a testing game because at this stage of the season, promoted teams still have that, that kind of residual confidence from a good, a good, a good promotion run the year before. Um, but the promising sign for Chelsea is that none of the three teams that have come into the Premier League look like they can defend at the moment. Uh, and, and West Brom have, have been having lots of problems on that front, particularly in that loss to Everton. So Chelsea should get opportunities to get particularly some of their new attackers, maybe Werner, maybe Havertz, into into gear. And, um, and some of the flashes we've seen against Brighton and against Liverpool um, could be given the room to sort of coalesce into something a little bit more coherent um, in the attacking half of the pitch. And I, I think this, if things go well, if they make the most of this opportunity, um, this could be the first real glimpse we we get to see of what Chelsea could be as an attacking team, at least. But of course, they need to set up the defensive half of the team as well. And it, and it could end up being Edouard Mendy's debut, depending on when that deal gets done and announced. Well, somebody who's not going to play in the game is Conor Gallagher. He's joined Albion on a, on a season loan since last we spoke, but but ineligible to play against his parent club. Don, my eyebrows were were raised, not quite to Ancelotti levels, but but I was quite surprised that that that's where Gallagher's ended up. How about you? Well, he wouldn't have done. He wouldn't be at West Bromwich Albion if things had worked out slightly differently elsewhere. He had a, a deal agreed at Crystal Palace, uh, which would have been nice and local for him. He could have lived at home, commuted into Beckenham quite easily. It would have suited him. Palace were very keen. Roy Hodgson had spoken to Frank Lampard and sort of reassured him how he would have been used in Palace's midfield. All that changed with a conversation between Mitchy Batshuayi's agent and uh, a member of Palace's recruitment department. Suddenly Batshuayi became open to a loan option and Palace's need for a striker over a midfielder was more pressing. Uh, at the time, they didn't think they could go in and get anyone else um, uh, up top and a lot of the other options were far more expensive. So they ended up using their one loan option from Chelsea by getting Batshuayi in, which left Gallagher, um, to whom they were very apologetic, um, in limbo. Uh, Actually, I think that, that West Brom might well be a, a, a good option for him. It will certainly be a season where he gets used a lot. Uh, he'll get a lot of game time, you'd imagine. Obviously not on Saturday against his parent club. But but he'll, he'll offer a, a lot more energy and, and drive to that uh, West Bromwich Albion midfield. He, he, he may be somebody that that could end up usurping possibly a, a, a Livermore in, in there, um, a more experienced campaigner, admittedly, but but he, you'd imagine that Gallagher would have the legs on him. Um, I think he'll I think he'll do well for them. I think it's going to be a, a real eye-opener of a season. I mean, considering that his 
he spent six months at Charlton in a sort of struggling team, albeit one that started quite well last season, and then six months at, at Swansea City where they were challenging for promotion. It's it's another step up from that, but you, you're joining a team that's that's struggling already against relegation and, and knows what its objectives are this season. They, they want to finish 17th or, or higher. Um, uh, he'll have to, yeah, it'll, it'll bring different aspects out of his game and his character. And I think it should benefit him in the long run. In terms of the Chelsea team for this game, Simon, if Mendy signs between now and then, I guess he might start quarantine depending. Um, might also be the first time we get we get a glance of Thiago Silva, if not the likes of, of Chilwell and Ziyech who are still out injured. But, but this might be the time when we do get to see uh, the Brazilian centre-half make his Chelsea debut. Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. He seemed to start training a lot later than than uh, was initially planned uh, for one reason or another. Don't know why, but um, it was only uh, sort of middle of last week, I think, that uh, the club sort of made it clear that he was in training. So you would think uh, just over a week with um, training with the new team will be enough for him to 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 make his debut. And with you know Christiansen's red card sort of um, throwing up question marks. Uh, again uh, about him, then you can imagine that that, that Lampard will, will perhaps think the time is time is now for that sort of experience. That the whole reason he brought Silver into the into the club to to field him and and you know West Brom as as Liam intimated, Chelsea don't have fond memories of of playing there, although they did win a title there once. Um, um, it would be a, a pretty good place, I think, for him to. To make his first start and, and get Chelsea back on in winning ways because um they don't want to lose too much ground on the on the teams above them so soon and and especially Lampard won't want to be under uh, negative scrutiny right from the get go. Half five on Saturday UK time. The kickoff for the match against the Baggies slash the Throstles slash Albion. Uh, we'll handle the fallout on next week's show. Almost done for this week, but a brief mention for the academy and development sides who both enjoyed 4-1 wins this past weekend. Ed Brands under-18s registering their first victory of this season came against West Ham, courtesy of goals from Fia Bamer, Sunset Bell, Vale and Torreinen. Uh, the under-23s, meanwhile, made it two wins from two in their defence of the PL2 title. They got a very credible 4-1 win at Southampton thanks to goals from John Russell, Tieno Ballo and a brace from birthday boy Miles Pert-Harris who could be the next one to watch from Andy Myers' squad. He's had an impressive start to the season. OK, we're in added time now. Before we go though, let's see what's on the Chaps agenda this week. Liam, what have you got up on The Athletic for subscribers to read and what can they look forward to? Well, at the moment I have a big piece which was published um, actually the morning of Chelsea-Liverpool but... Not, not, not dated by that game, I don't think. Um, about Kurt Zuma and his his long journey, his long road back from from that horrible ACL injury, and and how basically four years after that point, he he's finally back to where he was um, when it happened, which is playing regularly for Chelsea and with an opportunity um, if he if he plays well to to really cement himself as a long term starter in at the heart of the defense. So. Give that a read. I, I spoke to Steve Holland and Eddie Nidsvicky, um for that one, and they were both very helpful. And uh, and I'm working on my big Kai Havertz piece from Maria Dorf. Looking forward to that. Uh, Simon, you've been writing about Chelsea's next potential area investment. Simon, you've been writing about Chelsea's next potential area of investment in the squad. They want to hold in midfielder, but not on Golo Kante. Yeah, just sort of explaining why, really, because... Uh... 
Of course, if you remember, just after the restart in June, Kante played five games in a row as, as the uh, as the deep holding midfielder. Of course, against Liverpool, he's back on the right of the of the three. And um, from what I'm told, that's kind of where he's being lined up to play, or or certainly the the second midfielder in a four two three one. In in terms of the deep line midfielder, he's not seen as the answer. Um, so if Chelsea are to go out and, and get one more player, it will be that sort of presence, that sort of stronger guy that's just going to sit there and and break play up rather than Kante tends to sort of want to chase players around and, and get involved in areas where a defensive midfielder really shouldn't be. So that's the thing behind that one. So so have a read of that. But um, I'm also, uh, you can also read a piece from me um, ahead of the Barnsley game on Callum Hudson Odoi, of course, his situation is one to um, really look at, given the lack of game time he's had for the last three months, not just uh, the last couple of games, and and that situation could be coming to a head. So um, have a read of that. Uh, and Dom, you mentioned Michy Batshuayi. You've been writing about why Crystal Palace is uh, is home from home for the Belgian. Yeah, look, he just he's just a. A, a palace type of player to be honest he's he's not probably refined enough for for what chelsea would 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 use him for at palace he can sort of spread chaos um, and certainly provide some cutting edge once once fit and up and up and running uh, he's only been used really as a as a substitute in the premier league so far um albeit he did did play in a goalless draw in the league cup at bournemouth last week but yeah he he sort of fits at palace with regards to other stuff I'm working on at the moment, it's just I'm, I'm doing a piece about about players going back to former clubs. Um, the obvious hook being um, Nathaniel Klein's return to Crystal Palace to train uh, following his summer release from Liverpool. And there's some bloke called Bale as well. Apparently, he's going back to a club in North London, but I'm not so worried about that. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, just a reminder, listener, you can subscribe to the Athletic for just one pound a month. Simply visit theathletic.com/slash/chelsea-pod. That's just about it for this week, though. Do join us again, same time, same place next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now.